Hey listeners, welcome back to another refreshing episode of What the Perf podcast. This is your host Mrunal along with your co-host Nitesh. Hey listeners, welcome back to What the Perf podcast. In today's episode, we chat with Sajish Nair who is the principal engineer for performance at Druva. So without any further ado, let's get started with the episode and uh, Let's check out the latest news with Nitesh. I have three news items this week. In the first news, New Relic, that's a widely known APM tool. So in their latest release, New Relic has added support for W3C trace contacts and cumulative layout shift in its browser agent for real user monitoring. W3C trace contacts is a specification that defines standard HTTP headers and a value format to propagate context information that enables distributed tracing scenarios. You can find the link in the description for further reading about that. So cumulative layout shift CLS is one metric out of three core web vitals that Google has defined for web pages to measure user experience. This update will help faster troubleshooting by allowing users to send trace information from browser to backend traces or even any third parties involved in the request flow. Yeah, so what happens when you have tracing is uh, most of the times, Nitesh, uh, you will know how the request is flowing for, from one service to another service uh, throughout your backend infrastructure. But uh, many times it so happens that you will not be able to connect that trace to some action in the UI. So this uh, change or this update is going to help people uh, who are using New Relic, uh, you know, correlate those actions on the UI with the trace so that troubleshooting of any performance issues or any kind of issue easy. And uh, CLS is that thing that happens when you are about to tap a link or a button, but in the instant before your finger lands on that link, the link moves and you end up clicking on something else. So this update uh, has a measurement for that. I never thought it could be measured. So great that uh, New Relic included that measurement. So in the second news, I again have another you know, a real user monitoring tool. Uh, so web page test was acquired by Catchpoint. Webpagetest.org are the creators of a popular UI performance testing tool with the same name, web page test. So Catchpoint is another famous and widely used uh, end monitoring tool. So this acquisition will definitely help in expanding the capabilities of uh, web page test tools. Yeah. Yeah, because Obviously, Catchpoint has uh, one good tool and uh, web page test is also being used by more than 1 million users per month. So it helps, it's going to help its users to receive a detailed performance audit of their web pages and web applications. Yes, uh, up until now, uh, web page test was supported by uh, multiple uh, companies. Uh, they were providing hosting for web page test uh, so after this acquisition i think they'll have uh, you know good amount of resources to host uh, the site also uh, as 
I have seen that uh, web page test ha uh, had the they gave the ability for anyone to have their own private instances. Now with catch points acquisition, I'm not sure what's going to uh, happen to that. Only time will tell. So uh, in the third news item, we again bring you another great conference. Uh, this is by Dynatrace. The name of the conference is Dynatrace Go. So many distinguished speakers are going to be participating and uh, giving their speeches in this uh, in this conference so it it includes global keynote speaker as steve wozniak who we all know is a co-founder of apple so there will be talks on performance optimization better op automation in devops and understandings on dynatrace products so it will be a good learning conferences this is a virtual conference you can find the link in the description to attend uh, this conference Thank you, Nitesh, for bringing us up to the speed on the latest news in technology. Let's get started with uh, this week's episode. So listeners, we spoke with Sajish Nair this week. He is the principal engineer for performance at Dhruva. We spoke about performance in general and specifically on storage performance and a lot of other interesting stuff. Yeah, uh, Sajish has more than a decade and a half of uh, experience in the performance space. It's great to listen to him about all his work throughout these years. Hi, Sajish. Welcome to What the Perf podcast. Thank you for taking time out to join us. Hey, Munal. Hey, Nitesh. Yeah, thanks for having me over. Hi, Sajish. Welcome. We are really excited to have you. So, uh, Sajish, without wasting much time, let's get started. Uh, please uh, give us a brief introduction of uh, yourself to us and our listeners. Sure. So, yeah, so I, I started in services industry, I think, like most of the engineers who pass out in India do. Uh, so I, I started with a little bit of development and, you know, support background. So I, I worked in like Java development for a year or so. Mm -hmm. uh, and then at the time, SAP was sort of really up and coming. So this was like about 13, 14 years back. So I really wanted to go to SAP because I, I heard that people in SAP are making a lot of money, right? Uh, but I couldn't get like a proper development project in SAP. I somehow fought my way into an SAP project, but that turned out to be a performance testing project. Right. Okay. So, uh, so then I, I kind of got interested in performance testing itself. And, you know, uh, once I had that expertise at that time, actually even performance testing was pretty niche. Uh, so, you know, once they knew that I, I know a little bit of SAP and I know a little bit of performance testing, the performance testing started kind of taking more, you know, weightage in my profile. And then I got a few projects in performance testing. And from there on, yeah, I, I just, uh, I joined Cognizant, uh, you know, at some point. And they have a team called Pace, uh, which is basically handling performance engineering. Uh, so I had some good mentors there who, you know, really helped me get great perspective on performance engineering and testing and all that. Uh, and also along the way, it kind of helped me uh, gets work on some really great opportunities, right? So in, in uh, Cognizant, actually, I was part of this team, which kind of worked uh, a lot on SOS type projects, meaning, you know, projects where uh, there is some firefighting going on with production issues and stuff like that. Uh, mm -hmm. So yeah, so uh, got to work on a lot of, uh, you know, tough problem solving, time critical projects. And that kind of, I think, helped me grow as a performance engineer overall. 
and a couple of years back i decided consciously to move out of service industry and uh, uh, move into product so i joined druva which is kind of the leader in cloud data protection uh, so for past couple of years a little over couple of years i've been working in druva and uh, yeah I'm, i'm sort of heading the performance group uh, within druva for all product lines so that's that's my not so short intro i guess uh, that's really interesting stuff uh, as you said uh, was there any uh, particular Uh, event that triggered you like you don't want to be doing just the testing you want to move on to like uh, broader things uh <clears throat> so I, i wouldn't say there was like a specific point in time when that switch happened or anything like that uh so it, it was just like an intuitive path that i sort of kept following right and uh, i guess the projects that i got the people that i got to work with uh, you know definitely had a lot of influence on me uh and yeah so you know uh, once you test it then what right there is an issue is that it i mean are you going to answer what the issue is are you going to find out why certain things are the way they are why is it slow why is it not responding right so uh, merely just finding out that it's not working or it's slow uh, seem to be really a very you know like a step zero to the overall uh, thing that we're trying to do right so and unless you can actually resolve the issues that i i found you know like very little value as a as a individual that i'm adding to the project so i i kind of then you know started you know talking to people again my my initial learning actually started you know with the colleagues that i had so a lot of people were from you know a lot of core technical background uh, you know architects and stuff like that so i kept picking their brain on how these things work you know how the system works how that system works what should i monitor you know exactly. how does like yeah how do, what does cpu utilization actually mean what does load average mean uh, memory utilization so so starting with that right so i really started with the os part of it uh, because i guess that's what people around me were focusing at that time and then kind of you know i started understanding how java works how its jvm works memory management and from there on i think that this 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 natural uh, sort of flow where you start doing this in every project you get to right of course you're going to have challenges with access uh, challenges with not getting all the information and all those things but uh, <clears throat> i was very clear what had to be done right whether or not it can be done was a different thing that was totally dependent upon customer and all those things as you guys already know uh, but yeah at least at least i knew that you know we had to do this right we had to get to the root cause and not just like test and uh, throw it over the wall exactly so basically the curiosity is what uh, drove you to explore uh, further yeah curiosity and i would definitely say some of the people that i i had around me in my team mm. uh, definitely had a lot of you know sort of push and influence yeah it's really important to have you know mentors or uh, people who can guide you right true yeah it brings a lot of uh, uh, difference to your growth so uh sajish how different uh, is storage performance engineering compared to let's say web web performance and uh, uh api or back end performance uh yeah good question so <clears throat> i actually had very little idea about storage like until i joined drua right so uh just like everyone else who works in our service industry i had worked on lot of web based application java based application and then 
some database tuning, uh, some mainframe, all those, all those in the mix, right? But I had never actually uh, worked on an application which was data, uh, which was like storage intense, right? You can call database actually a storage uh, bound or IO bound uh, product, but uh, you don't actually go into tuning Oracle to do that extent. You just tune Oracle queries or the uh, parameters that Oracle provides you to tune, right? So you, but you don't tune Oracle database as, as such as a product. Uh, yeah. So yeah, so I had, I had very little understanding of storage. Uh, then when I moved to Druva, I started, you know, getting into the nitty gritties of storage. So I think storage, um, there are a couple of different things, right? In storage. So one is like the actual uh, storage hardware and, uh, like the disks and you know your um, uh, HDD SSD or storage arrays and things like that. Uh, then there's a file system uh, on top of it, which you kind of get acquainted with. And then there is this whole new uh, you know kind of line of cloud storage, right? S3 and uh, object storage is like uh, MinIO or SwiftIO and stuff like that. So <clears throat> I think uh, when it comes to storage, the thing is that you actually start getting mindful of uh, what your application is doing in the IO path, right? So uh, before that, I would say that I, I was very, uh, you know, focused on the compute path. So the request response and, you know, yeah, maybe like the network IO path, but I never really worried about how much data is my application writing to disk? You know, what pattern is the right happening? Is it random write, sequential write? So, you know, like uh, how, how does it seek certain data on the disk and stuff like that? So uh, you, you kind of start getting mindful of all these things. Uh, and then, you know, you start paying attention to what happens when your application is trying to start write certain data or read certain data to an and throw some storage, right? So you, you give it to the file system, file system itself has its own logic to, you know, uh, sequentialize or randomize the writes and stuff like that. And then you, uh, do the actual write and give it to the storage controllers, which does the write. So, there are, there are a lot of, you know, latencies involved in each of these steps because they are all, you know, in, in some way adding a step to writing to the disk, right? So yeah. ultimately that's what you want. Uh, and, and the dynamics are different, right? So when it comes to web, you're primarily looking at like end user response times, but you're also looking at how does it, you know, use your compute? How does it use your memory? Uh, how much is your network latency? All those things. But I actually never looked at storage before I started started you know looking at uh, all I looked at is like what is the read time what is the write time that's all uh, but after yeah joining through a lot of other things so it's like cloud storage right whatever you deal with whatever the the kind of projects that you deal with they're all uh, on cloud storage I mean the solution provided itself is a cloud storage I think yeah so uh, Druva I think I don't know it's like if you know about it, so we basically do data protection in cloud, right? So what that means is we back up uh, data for different customers, uh, different enterprises into uh, cloud, right? So in cloud, we primarily use S3 and we are like one of the most like heaviest users of S3 in AWS, right? So uh, we do like roughly 288 billion uh, operations on S3 every month, right? That's a billion with a B. So uh, it's very huge scale. Uh, so like we have, you know, I think about 150 petabyte of uh, source storage uh, that we have backed up. So this is all data getting ingested into uh, our AWS, you know, sort of uh, file system. So Druva has its own cloud file system, which resides on top of uh, S3 and, you know, DynamoDB. And uh, 
uh, that is where we ingest all the data, right? So uh, the dynamics here is, uh, you know, slightly different than, you know, writing to disk because now you're more worried about uh, S3 ports and, you know, DynamoDB writes and stuff like that. And S3 itself is actually very scalable horizontally, right? So AWS actually kind of claims that you can, you can do very heavy throughputs if you just parallelize your puts, right? Oh. And that's yeah so that's that's you know kind of how i mean we deal with storage in cloud wow, interesting so uh Sajish, uh you had written an article on linkedin about uh, applying first thinking principles to solving performance issues or performance problems so can you you know uh, throw more light on the that for us yeah, so first principles thinking, actually, if you look at it, I think uh, a lot of people who deal with physics and mathematics actually kind of fall back on this, right? So what it means is that you start with a premise where you question everything, right? You don't assume uh, anything that is presented to you, right? And you draw your own uh, sort of uh, hard facts and then conclusions and inferences on your own independent of what others are telling you or what other data is available or what other interpretation is available rather than that, right? So uh, uh, what that means is that whenever we start looking at a performance problem, and this is something that, you know, uh, came up a lot uh, when I did those SOS projects, right? Where there would be a customers whose application is not scaling. And as it is with most of the enterprises, the uh, systems are pretty spread out, right? So you have like 10 different teams working on different modules, different tiers, uh, you know, starting with the web to some backend legacy mainframe. There are like, uh, you know, 10 teams in between which manage different, different layers and the data passes through all this. And there's a lot of, you know, uh, oh, this, this module is the problem versus that layer is the problem. Uh, you know, it's not our applications issue is the backend issue. So, as soon as you start solving the problem, you get all of these inputs as to uh, like what is the, what do you say, prevalent wisdom in that ecosystem, right? So people who have been there for some time, they start giving you a lot of pointers on, you know what, you should look here. I think this, I know this is the issue, right? You should just, <laughs> yeah, and, exactly. and a lot of times uh, that's actually pretty bad, right? So we think that, you know, oh, we can actually solve this very quickly if we just, you know, use the data and, you know, not reinvent the wheel by trying to do all the analysis again, if somebody has already done it. Uh, but I, I, I totally disagree with that, right? So because the problem is that the moment you start, uh, you know, taking those inputs, uh, your thought process actually gets in, influenced and you then start thinking in only one direction instead of the five different ways in which you might have been thinking if you had not heard about that analysis or the interpretation, right? So uh, the point of first principles is that you look at uh, hard data, right? So if somebody says that, oh, you know what, that box is always high on CPU. You say, okay, but don't rely on that guy, right? So get the logs or whatever your monitoring reports or whatever that is. And then you see for yourself that the CPU has been high, right? And then what does it mean that the CPU has been high? Has it been high for one minute, one hour? Has it been intermittently high? What is the average? What is the 90th? All those things, right? So uh, kind of, kind of uh, taking that route, right, where you don't rely on any interpretation that somebody is providing you, but you draw your own conclusions and interpretation, right? Uh, looking at only hard data, so you look at logs, you look at monitoring reports, and like first-hand uh, source of data, and not any second-hand source of data. That's that's kind yeah. of what uh, it means in a nutshell. 
so you i mean in one way if you put it uh, you are avoiding uh, biases of other people and you know looking at the right kind of data but uh, exactly. i think you must have encountered a lot of uh, uh, resistance to uh, this way of thinking or this way of doing right because uh, when somebody comes and tells you uh, you should look at this place and you don't agree they tend to get uh, off- uh, offensive right so you must have seen that a lot yeah i think uh, <clears throat> so at that point it starts becoming a people problem than a technology problem yeah right? so exactly it's yeah. it's not a technology problem you're solving anymore <laughs> when you're talking about somebody getting offensive offended and all that but yes that that is a major part of it right so why do you need access to the laws i'm telling you it's this way why do you need <laughs> to see the modern reports i'm telling you cpa yeah so but you know i don't know I, i guess it's kind of how you handle in the moment lot of time i just say that oh you know what i agree with what you're saying i just need the reports for you know my documentation purposes and to yeah. put it in my report and file it right so something like that uh but yeah it, it it's like i said since it's a people problem it's also a very subjective problem right so every project you go may have different type of people and how those people are kind of determines how you're going to handle that situation so yes, you i don't have like a single line answer as to how to address that but yeah that's what it is yeah you have to everybody has to find their own ways to deal with that yeah and that's that's kind of like the problem also with the service industry right with the consulting line of work because you are like expected to you know derive or you know provide some results but there is also this assumption that oh you know what you are going to find your own way around people to get that data and you know so there's there is that angle right and you're at the mercy of people on the ground or mm. you know people who are there to help you out and all those things so yeah i mean it's yeah that stuff it doesn't happen in product world much though mm, yeah so uh, given that there are these problems uh, in the industry so if you had a magic wand or a power uh, what would you change about the state current state of affairs in the industry uh, for especially for performance projects uh <clears throat> so i think one of the main thing that uh, i would think of is to start with i think we have to st- stop this bucketing of uh, only dev versus qa right so uh and like i kind of wrote about this in one of the articles i recently wrote and the problem is that as soon as you come out of college and you are inducted into the uh, software industry you are either trained on development or on qa right so these mm-hmm. are these are sort of the only two uh, broad directions that we see from there of course once you start working on dev or on qa later you can go into support projects or somebody in qa can become business analyst and so on but when you when you look at how you know each of our careers start right nobody actually gets trained on performance testing when they are you know starting a job right yes, uh, yes. and this is something that we had actually tried to do in cognizant where we had hired you know campus uh, graduates in us and uh, started training them on performance testing and engineering right so but uh, that doesn't happen like industry wide so one is i think we need to start this uh, you know i think there has to be this understanding that there is a there's a separate third field which is you know not really entirely qa and it's not really entirely development uh, but somewhere in between right because there are a lot of infrastructure elements there are a lot of these design elements architectural elements which is which actually kind of uh, is more towards development 
but then there is also this validation angle which actually aligns with QA, right? So we have to sort of uh, you know address this. We have to realize that there exists this separate third stream, and that will be a good start, right? Uh, beyond that, I think the way performance engineering is looked at at this point, it has to be aligned more with development than with QA, right? And I think uh, even without considering a third stream or whatever, if we have to do something, I think it's that performance teams have to start aligning with development more than with QA, right? Uh, that itself can bring a lot of changes and that's also based on my personal experience where we get more leverage, we get more insight into the application and, you know, like it's easier for us to spot things when we know how things work under the hood, right? Versus when we just tested black box, we miss a lot of scenarios when we test black box. However, if you know how the application works, then you know those corner cases where it's going to crack and then you can actually test scenarios, come up with scenarios and test them uh, to find those, you know, corner cases and all. Exactly. So that's, that's sort of, yeah, that's, I think what I would do if I don't know. What I had mentioned. Yeah, right. so that's a great uh, suggestion. So Sajish, can you uh, tell us about your, uh, like throughout the career, which, which would be considered by you as a, your best performance project and one of the, some challenging or uh, maybe worst performance projects. So <clears throat> I think uh, worst performance projects, I'll start with that. Uh, definitely it has been where the problems have been people problems, right? So technology problems are easy to uh, solve, I think relatively because it's predictable uh, there is a certain rationality that you can apply to it, but people problems are like, relatively more tougher and it's like, you don't know how to solve it a lot of times, right? You just try something and if it works, it works. So, uh, I, I like, yeah, I'm not sure if I can name like one single project where I had this challenge, but, uh, most of the projects which are bad are actually people problems because the thing is that you, when you have to focus a lot on people. Uh, issues or problem uh, like the stuff that we talked about earlier right so uh, not like there, there even have been cases where you know when you find that the application performance is bad certain people don't want you to report it right because it, it makes the development team uh, seen bad light or you know some other team you know appear bad so uh, those are really you know it's it's really negative force and you know you don't learn a lot in those situations right um, and we as engineers always want to work on technical problems and we want to stay away from the people problem as much as possible. So definitely worst projects are the ones where you have people problem, right? Technical problems, you can always solve. It may take a little bit longer, but you can always solve them. Uh, <clears throat> best project, I, I think uh, by far it has been my experience in Druva, right? So uh, all the all the applications that I have been working on in Druva for the last two years, I think it has been amazing like learning experience, right? And uh, because it's also it was also like a big shift for me coming from uh, services to product. Uh, the cultural shift actually helped a lot because your productivity just like doubles or almost triples, right? So you you only have to work eight hours a day now, but you almost do like sixteen hours or twenty four hours of work that you would have otherwise done in like a service company, right? Because you don't have to worry about uh, signaling of your work, so you don't have to tell ten people that you know I finished this. Now I want to do this. Can I do this? So there's, there's a lot of, you know, autonomy and a lot of ownership that is placed on you and, you know, people trust you more, uh, much more open culture that helps you actually focus on the real technical challenges and technical problems. And, you know, 
uh, that kind of has largely been the reason that you know dua has been such a great learning experience for me so uh, everything starting from you know uh, having sufficient hardware to test on having sufficient cloud aws budget uh, that we can use for the team there are, there are, there has absolutely been no restrictions right on on how crazy we want to go with our experiments and tests and explorations and what we want to do and that that really you know kind of gives you an ideal sort of learning environment wow that's really nice to hear i mean uh, how often do you get uh, such an opportunity right um yeah so <laughs> so sajish uh, what are some quick wins or easy performance bugs or let's say low hanging fruits that you look for in any new project uh yeah so uh, over the time i think one thing that i would definitely do uh, at the start of the project is like look at the web if it's a web application and i'm uh, i'm assuming that your interest is towards web application so if it's a web application uh, definitely start by looking at their http request response right and that's like as easy as it gets right so you can use whatever fiddler or chrome dev tools or firefox dev dev tools whatever that is right and just just simply look at the http request response and spend some time understanding uh, so you, i'm assuming you already know the application uh, function like what is the application trying to do uh, and then in that context you understand what each request response is trying to do right uh, so you will find i mean typically i have seen a lot of unnecessary redirects when it comes to authentication you know some redirects because page has been moved but the team doesn't know and uh, stuff like that right so where you can shave off like few milliseconds or maybe a second or so uh, that is one right second is i think when you start looking at the uh, response payloads uh, <clears throat> a lot of times you can actually start seeing some redundant data right meaning that uh, there is some part of data which has already been Uh, requested in a previous request uh, but then you request it anyway a second time right so that's definitely a, a sort of a, a red light right so why do you want to do that why are you making redundant data calls right so it is, and the solution or answer could be a lot of things right it could be because that's just the way their apis are designed right so they don't have atomic apis and their apis are pretty composite and they just send a bunch of data with every call so uh, so you then start sort of following that thread and see if that can be optimized right uh, so that that like ui side analysis i think is very good uh, obviously you can augment it to the next level if you can you know start do, doing like uh, the critical path uh, critical rendering path analysis and see if uh, despite you getting data back from the server are you taking a long time to show it on the screen are you running some slow javascripts Uh, are you requesting things which you don't even use on the page so all those kind of things right and of course there's like the best practices like put uh, css on the top js at the bottom and stuff like that so i think starting with that web page is is definitely like a really good uh, sort of what do you say avenue to explore if you want to score some quick wins right you may not always get it uh, but whenever you do i think you may find some you know like you said quick wins right uh, yeah that's one and second is i always look at integration points in uh, enterprise applications because that is where most of the mess is uh, because there are different teams working on it and in enterprises uh, the release cycles are either quarterly or half yearly uh, if there are major releases uh, there's a lot of miscommunication lack of communication because of which you know the, the two tiers actually don't work Uh, well or either they don't work well or they don't work in the most optimal fashion right so 
again leading to redundant calls or uh, <clears throat> misdesigned or wrongly designed apis which are not consumed properly and stuff like that so uh, look at look at the integration points and you know look at both the tiers and how they are interacting with with each other how is the consumer actually consuming what the uh, lower tier is producing uh, and stuff like that right so uh, i know that's like very abstract but that's those are kind of the areas that i start looking at when i when i start a project yeah that's great i mean our listeners uh, surely can take a leaf out of this and uh, you know it will i hope it will help them uh, so uh, is it the same for storage uh, i mean whatever work that you do now at drowa or uh, how is it different uh, <clears throat> so storage yeah so what we do here is completely different right so uh like i said since it's mostly around data path uh the the dynamics are a little bit different right so we are more conscious about uh how do we write the data how do we read the data uh, mm. can we avoid writing certain data so that you know we don't consume those iops on the disk uh and again right since we uh, pick the data up from on premise and uh, kind of throw it over to cloud there is this whole network uh, thing which we have to deal with right so sending like petabyte scale data over the network from you know sort of uh, some remote data center onto aws cloud that in itself is a challenge right so how long is it going to uh, back up you know that huge amount of data and then uh, if you look at it uh, you know if we have say thousands of customers right so we actually have about 4000 customers and all of them have several uh, hundreds of servers right and all of them are kind of getting backed up at the same time uh, onto our servers right so we have like i think close to a million backups happening every day so uh, there's a lot of data churn that happens uh, you know both on the customer premise where we read the data and on our cloud side where we ingest the data so that actually poses for a totally different set of challenges as compared to like web application right yeah uh, so yeah did, did i answer your question or yes 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 i mean the scale uh, it's really huge in uh, storage and it has a different uh, it it has its own challenges so that was a good learning uh, for our listeners and to our listeners they can follow sajish on linkedin uh, you'll find very informative informative and uh, knowledgeable articles there so uh, sajish would you would you like to give some career advice uh, to our newbie performance engineers career advice oh my god okay so uh, yeah i think uh, like w- what i was trying to explain when you asked me how i got into performance right so i think when you start just just don't start with the mindset of a tester right so uh, think of it as you are building the application and you want to make sure that it performs and it scales right and always look at the application from the consumer or the user standpoint right what does the user uh, experience or what does the user see in your application and how do you fix and tune that right uh, and it, it always helps to sort of keep learning uh, technologies so don't think of yourself as a performance engineer you actually have to be like a well rounded uh, <clears throat> what do you say a, a, a well rounded engineer in terms of all the technology that you know right so uh, don't just test them uh read about uh, everything new that comes up or anything new that you work on uh, research it understand how that platform works how that tech works look at the parallel other available options in the market you know, competitor products how they work what are the differentiators 
how do they work at scale how do they work at you know uh, hyperscale there are a lot of data available um, out in the internet with the products the data sheet and fact sheet and all that where you can actually gather all this data right so this is all available right so start start doing that understand products more understand technology more and performance and scale will you know automatically come to you right yeah so speaking of learning sajish uh, could you suggest a few books or a blogs or podcasts to our listeners so that you know they can follow them and uh, you know try to learn more uh, of the top of your mind honestly i haven't read uh, any book on performance so i mm-hmm. did uh, buy the high performance uh, browser networking by ilya grigoric uh, mm-hmm. so that is actually i think even available for free now so that is around the ui performance by you know so like he he's he was in the chrome team at that time uh, so that's that's a really good book i think uh, to start reading because uh, one good thing about that book is that you don't actually need to have a lot of prerequisite you know uh, technology right so you don't have to know a lot of unix details or linux details or anything like that you can start reading that Uh, that's a good one i uh, do follow uh, brendan greg's blog so brendan greg in case you don't know like he's like the celebrity of performance engineering world so he works for netflix uh, so lot of stuff that he puts out is really good so he's also an active contributor to like the linux you know kernel uh, project uh, and edpf and stuff like that so i think uh, follow that um, lot of his stuff may not make sense right away you may have to do some side reading Uh, to make sense of everything uh, but that's a good path to follow right uh, so these two certainly uh, you know in terms of books of resources other than that honestly i haven't read any book as such uh, yeah but mostly mostly around technology so what about podcasts have you do you suggest listening to any other tech podcasts uh, so tech podcasts actually there are a bunch of them Uh, software engineering daily is something that i uh, listen to often uh yeah I, i guess that's the only podcast that i regularly listen to other than that i i mostly just try to find you know videos on youtube or something like that of talks so a lot of reinvent talks aws reinvent talks or uh talks on specific uh, so like pretty much every tech nowadays has a conference so some of the talks on those techs are, are like i find them pretty useful like for example for golang there's gophercon you know there's python pycon aws obviously is big you know aws reinvent so you know similarly like elastic search whichever technology you look at they have their own pretty much all of them have some some kind of conference or a presentation so i usually look at their uh, talks for deep dive so uh, it was really fast and breezy session with uh, you sajish thank you so much for uh, taking out time and uh, Uh, let us uh, you know have that privilege to uh, chat with you uh, so that uh, that brings us to the conclusion of uh, this chat thank you sajish hey, it was a pleasure thanks pranav thanks tithesh thank you sajish that was a really good chat some really good insights for all performance engineers This brings us to the last section of this episode which is what the crash I have four what the crash items this week First one is from Sony's PS5 pre-orders announcement 
it caused crash across uh, many e-commerce websites it uh, also included uh, sony's singapore's e-commerce store which uh, crashed and it was because there was a flood of traffic driven by folks uh, wanting to secure their entry into next gen gaming when the ps5 drops so it looks like many many people or many fans will won't be able to get their hands that soon on ps5 yeah i think it should have been uh, anticipated right it was announced quite a while early and uh, it was open for pre orders now i think right uh, so they, they should have ideally uh, anticipated this but you never know right so it also the mm-hmm. sales were pretty quickly done happens all the time spike load right nitish yeah spike load correct so in the second uh, what the crash item we have our uh, calcutta's you calcutta university university's website that crashed so their official website was found crashed uh, after a few hours when they announced the schedule of final semester examination for ba bsc and bcom courses it Just is a regular the- occurring these days yeah i mean uh, just up, just uh, announcing the schedule can bring down your website seriously it's just a uh, you know just a text file that you have to just a pdf file that you have to place on your website so that anyone can visit and take a look at it i don't know who's in charge of this at the university but uh, it's a simple file download so they could have totally avoided this situation right so they have announced it on i mean in the first week of october it it's mm-hmm. quite late and also it's it hampers the students preparations when the website crashes and they don't have the schedule exactly so the third one is quite interesting because it is not the crash item it is a outage from google drive on 15th september that was reported in few areas of uk france and some parts of west coast in the us so it was not uh, it, it did not impact uh, all the users only few users were impacted by this outage so there were some download failures and uh, many many users reported that the latency was there while accessing their files on google drive they were able to log in but using while using their files or uh, while downloading them they saw this outage yeah i think the uh open monitoring uh, website by catchpoint detected this right nitesh it was web c uh, which detected yeah this. correct yeah correct correct so uh, we can already see like how web catchpoint and uh, web page test can do wonders on performance monitoring going forward right because you quickly get i mean whenever the this kind of issue occurs you quickly get that information directly right to your servers or to your backend team they can quickly resolve it that's right so the last news is uh, regarding uh, an ipo that was making some news few weeks ago uh, from happiest minds technologies right so since it was heavily subscribed around 150 times subscription that was seen so their their managing website was k fintech earlier known as carvi their website crashed as investors uh, rushed to check subscription status it happens very frequently these days because ipos are being launched and uh, these websites are getting crashed when subscription status are 
uh, are being checked by investors yeah so is this uh, is this something that they can expect nitesh or uh... Uh, this is quite expected because you already get the idea that how much subscription has happened mm-hmm. but the thing is they hardly have any uh, business impact from that so probably they are not think, trying to work on this yeah one or two hours of downtime doesn't affect them much i think that's why they right. let it be right yeah so the, that's all from me in the what the crash section this week thank you listeners for tuning in you can share feedback with us on twitter at at the rate what the perf we can also email us at what the perf at gmail.com for episode suggestions if you find this podcast interesting share it with your friends and colleagues because every time you share disc iops on your favorite shopping site improves greatly see you in the next one